All right. Welcome back to the Host by Tori show. I hope you all are having a great week and thank you so much for the feedback on some of the recent episodes. As you know, if you do like the show, if you could go into Apple or Spotify and rate it five stars, if you think I deserve it, that would mean the world to me as I try and grow this platform. Today, we have one of my good friends, Georgia Perkins, on the podcast. Georgia is a health coach and yoga school teacher who has a holistic outlook on health and provides wellness tips related to that. I have always loved her outlook and approach to health, and I was excited to talk more with her about this, especially how she balances alcohol in her lifestyle. Georgia grew up in Kansas City, went to Wake Forest where she met her husband, and then moved to Austin where she spent a lot of time growing up. She began her health coach practice a few years ago and has not looked back, and she just moved to Florida, and I'm so excited for her to start this new chapter, although I am sad I will not be able to see her as much. With that, let's get into more about what Georgia and I talked about. We talked about what holistic health truly means and how alcohol plays a role in that in both a positive and negative way, how Georgia thinks about alcohol and giving it less power, why people resonate with having labels but why Georgia doesn't use them for herself, and the pressure of social drinking and how our outlook has changed over time. I think this episode really hit home for me on just the power around alcohol, and by not giving it that much power, it doesn't control you. I've definitely changed the way I viewed it over the last six months, not labeling it bad or good, but it just is what it is, and knowing when and why I choose to have it. With that, let's get into the episode. All right, Georgia, thank you for being here. Very excited. This is our first in-person podcast for the host by Tori show. And we are coming live from my bedroom. That makes me very excited to be the first IRL podcast guest. I appreciate you. So let's just get into it. We're going to, we're going to get into you and holistic health generally. So you are a health coach. How, like actually, how would you define yourself generally in terms of what you do? Yeah. Technically my title is an integrative nutrition health coach, but I feel like that's just a lot of words. words. <laughs> so typically I like, I would probably introduce myself as like a holistic health coach. I guess if you look at my website and that kind of stuff, like integrative nutrition health coach is technically the title, but it's the same difference. And then I always say like, I'm a holistic health coach and like a wellness blogger. Yep. Like that sort of encompasses yep. a lot of things. So wellness blogger is something that has come to the rise the past couple of years, but I feel as though your approach to wellness is very different in the holistic sense that you're not only thinking about working out or like working out or nutrition slash what's in your diet, but you talk about screen time with your phone and the the mental health component to that and hormones and digestive health. So like talk to us first on what holistic health means to you. Yeah. And as a part of that, we will talk about alcohol. But first, generally, like, how did you come to this approach yeah. with holistic health? And, and what are you doing to live, live your life that way? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, first of all, I think my, maybe we'll get into some of this as well, but sort of my journey, I think it's pretty similar to like a lot of people's journey, but going to a school for college specifically, where there was a lot of pressure and a lot of emphasis on how you look and everyone's perfect and all that kind of stuff. And so that's where I think two things. One, I'd always sort of had an interest in wellness and health and nutrition. My parents really got into that kind of throughout high school, but in a really healthy, good way. But then going to school, being on your own for the first time, all that stuff, but then being in a world that was very like diet and exercise and aesthetic 
yeah. refocused solely yeah. sort of took me down a little bit of a, a road and a journey figuring out like, how do I want to be a healthy, well, quote unquote, person in the midst of a lot of these outside pressures? So anyway, I think I struggled a lot through those four years kind of plus, but I feel like after college and moving to Austin, having a little bit of like a midlife crisis, quarter life crisis with my career situation sort of led me down this road of wanting to take better care of my mental health, which was really suffering at that time, and approach wellness from a little bit different perspective and a more holistic perspective to your point. So I've always had an interest in that kind of stuff. And simultaneously, my mom was always really into like different holistic healing methods in the terms of like energy work and meditation. And that was always sort of present prior to even being like cool and yeah. trendy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I was 18 and was like certified in like transcendental meditation. Like what's this whole intense process? Oh, like so you did TM. Yeah. Like okay. I did that training my the summer after my senior year of high school. So Okay, wait. So I, I've heard so much about TM. Yeah. I first heard about it from Ariel Laurie. Yes. Yeah. So what exactly is TM? Not to interrupt this entire thing, but no, I'm so interested is- because I feel like people I've tried to get into meditation. I have yeah. calm. And it's something that literally every year I'm like, I am going to do. I know I would benefit from it, but I don't prioritize it. But people who've gone through TM, I feel Mm -hmm. like have this entirely different perspective on meditation and what it does for their health. Fascinating. So so tell me, can you tell me how that works? I think it started as, um, now we're kind of on a tangent, but I love this topic. And it's so funny you bring this up because I was literally thinking about this in my meditation this morning being like, I really need to do like a little TM, like tune up. Like a refresh. You can do like little refresh sessions, which I'm like, hey, next time I'm I'm in Kansas City. I mean, they have them anywhere, but I just did my certification in Kansas City. So I was like, I know the guy there and whatever. So this is my sign from like the universe. I need to go do this because I'm not the best TM practitioner. I don't know, but it did start a lot of stuff early on, I think for me with meditation. And it's it's just a one of many meditation approaches that it's really about like you know tapping into your subconscious mind and they give you all these visuals of how you're it's like you're in a there's like a little pond of water and you're going through these different levels of like consciousness and it's almost like something's dropping down to the bottom of this pond and like there's all these ripples and waves and it's using your mind it's like they use that metaphor for the mind a lot and it's it's really fascinating but you go through this kind of rigorous like training process and they give you a mantra that is like unique to you. You can't tell anyone. Like I don't, my whole family did this together. Wow. Just so woo-woo looking back on it. Yeah. I remember like my high school boyfriend's like, you guys are freaks. I was like, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. But it's cool. But it's cool. It was, even then I was like, I don't know, it's kind of cool. Anyway, but the whole TM approach is, you know, what they suggest is 20 minutes of meditation twice a day, which I don't necessarily always practice. I'm more of like a morning meditation person and I would really love to get back into doing an evening meditation as well. But yeah, I think it really, anyway, early on, I think it introduced me to more mindfulness practices and meditation at a really young age. And, you know, I tried to continue that going through college, but I really struggled with it. Like that was also when I was in college, I was struggling with a lot of disordered eating habits and an extreme amount of anxiety that really had always, I'd always sort of battled anxiety, but it was very acute and chronic, I guess, at that time. So it sort of, it put a lot of challenges in my way with meditation. But looking back, I wish I had actually, I wish I had the maturity at that age to understand that that was exactly what I needed. But I think 
at that point in my life, I was like, I'm too anxious to meditate. Yeah. I can't sit here with my own thoughts. Like, this is just not for me kind of thing. But, but you were like 18. Yeah. I was like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> also, I went through that process really early. So I think I probably would have gotten a lot more out of it at 27 or 28 versus 18. But yeah. so now I think I would have a whole different perspective. But I feel like in the past probably five years, I've gotten a lot back into meditation. And, and it doesn't necessarily look like a strict TM practice. Like, I love the Headspace app, which is similar to the Calm app, yep. or whatever. Like, they're all great for accountability's sake. I think, especially when I was just really trying to be consistent, I liked the fact that it, I could do courses, I could like, check off each day. It gives you like your streak of the amount of days you've done it in a row. Like, that's helpful for me when I need a little bit of accountability. So, but, are you, are you someone who feels like you need accountability from like a, writing it down, habit tracking, that yeah, sort of thing? I mean, I feel like until a habit is super established, yeah, it helps. It helps, which would be something I would recommend to like clients. Even today, like meditation is one of those things that I think it becomes everyone's last priority. So now, like I don't necessarily need the app for the accountability sake anymore. Like it's become such an ingrained part of my morning routine and my life that I would probably do it regardless unless, you know, you're traveling and you have a crazy day. Like you know, yeah. some things can get uprooted. Like I'm not going to freak out if I don't get it in. But I now what I do is I write it in my daily planner. Like I, I'm a big, like, I don't know if I'm a visual person or not, but like writing things down, I'm a much more of a physical planner than like using my computer sort yeah. of planner. Write it down, cross it off. Yeah. Like I put meditation day. as a line item on my daily like agenda, just as I do like podcast recording yeah. X time with Tori. Like, that, so I write it there just so it seems like just as important as the other things I have to get done that day. Yeah. So anyway, kind of a tangent. But no, no, that's good. I can't and even remember how we got on this. Talking but. about just like holistic health generally and oh, how yeah. you view it. And yes. that, I mean, this whole meditation piece goes into your view on health is beyond 100%. the vanity of it. It's beyond the physical appearance and yeah. so much of your what I would call view on holistic health is also mental. For sure. And Cam and I recently, my fiance Cam and I have been implementing the no phone time in the morning. I love it. Which has been a game changer yeah. for my mental health, mental clarity, the sleep component, that. like how much sleep that you're getting. There's more that I want to dive into, yeah. but I think that generally alcohol is a really big yeah. piece of general life. And I'm interested in you as someone who practices a holistic health approach and is a health coach, yeah. how you think about alcohol generally in yeah. this holistic view. Because what I'm hearing is that you are, nothing is off limits. You don't label yourself right. and you want to have a well-rounded view. And there are many things that you're going to lean into more because how they make you feel. Yeah. But you also, I think, are someone who is also about moderation to some extent. So can you talk about how alcohol fits into a holistic yeah. health lifestyle and generally like your relationship with it. For sure. I mean, I think like to take a step back to like, I think my definition of what like holistic health means now is different than maybe it did when I was 18 going through TM training. It can evolve. It can evolve. And I think now, and what I would preach to my clients and kind of the basis of like what I do now as my job is like a quote holistic health coach, you know, that can include holistic healing practices, integrative, you know, medicine practices, things like that. Like TM or traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, or like herbal healing. Like there's so many things that kind of fall under this category of holistic health that yes, I would use in my practice or just in my own life that I think are great and it's super interesting. But I think from a, like in a more real way, what holistic health means is just like the whole 
person approach to wellness, which is exactly what you're saying. Like there's all these different factors of health that are just as important as like diet and exercise. It's social life, which can include drinking or not. And it's relationships, it's career, it's, you know, physical activity, but it, you know, all these things. And I use this with my clients when we come to goal setting and things like that, of diving into all these different areas. so We can kind of figure out what needs more attention, what needs more leaning into. It's like use your term. And I think alcohol in general used to play a much bigger role, I think, in my life than it does now. And not in the sense that I ever had a problem with alcohol in a negative way. It just, I think it used to take up a lot more brain space and take a, and create rather a lot more anxiety than it does now. Because especially when you're in college or you're still kind of in that world where drinking and going out is such a big part of like your reality and your social life. It just seemed like it was a bigger thing that I had to like manage. And maybe because I've just gotten a little bit older and now I'm married and like we have other big life things that just take up a lot more brain space. It's not something that I sit around and worry about as much, which is kind of freeing too. Like I can go out to dinner and choose to drink or not drink. And I'm not going to sit around and angst about like my decision one way or another. Yeah, I think it's alcohol has become something that I try to just like any sort of negative thought or something like that, like hold it a lot more lightly versus tightly, which is something I learned with a therapist years ago who I was working with for anxiety of just holding situations and people and you know any sort of like negative experience a little bit more lightly than letting it create this whole like world around it of you know the bit snowballs. And yeah. so well I, I think the the thing that's really interesting about that is this world of drinking in yeah. a way that I think some people need a label for yeah, it. Yeah. And sure. it's it's so it, it this whole concept is so interesting to me. Like people who are sober curious, mm-hmm. which is now this kind of buzzy term, yeah. right? They are interested in living a life that doesn't have as much alcohol. In my mm-hmm. mind, that's what it's defined as. Yeah. And I think of it as a transitory period of that you're sober curious and then you decide, okay, I'm gonna continue to, to be sober. To yeah. be sober or I might choose a path of being a more mindful drinker right. or, you know, I actually didn't really enjoy this and I prioritize social experiences where I'm drinking alcohol more right. and I tried it out and maybe it wasn't, maybe it wasn't something that I'm actually that yeah. interested in. So I'm th- I think of it as this transitory time, mm-hmm. but what I'm finding is that other people want to know what you define as as a drinker. Yeah. That's and and so the more that I've gone through this and have become a mindful drinker, people are confused when I choose to drink and when I choose right. to not drink. And why? Why do they right. care? Like why does it matter yeah. to them? But it's it's something that I feel like I have to justify. Yeah. And for so long as I was going through this phase when I was figuring this out last early last year, it was taking up a lot of brain space for mm-hmm. me to figure out if I was going to drink that night or not. Right. And what I thought, and and this is, I'm kind of getting to the point around what you were saying around how you're taking it lightly, is that you're not going to beat yourself up if you drink or don't. 100%. And it's not, yeah. it's not that big of a deal. And yeah. for me, I was taking up so much mind share thinking about if I wanted to drink or if I didn't, right. that I was like, this isn't the point of me going through my sober curious journey. Like yeah. the point of it is for me to feel better mentally to feel better physically to like to reap the benefits yep. of drinking 
But then there's also a component that is, and you know, you're talking about holistic health around relationships. Like if I want to have a drink with a friend or my fiance at dinner or something like that also feels good and is a part of my holistic health because it's, it can be a healthy act. It can be a healthy act. So, so wanted to bring up those points because I think they're really interesting around how alcohol can play into your life beneficially through relationships and social interactions, but then also negatively and how the mindshare component has just been like an interesting piece for me that now similar to you, like I have a drink, I'm not going to beat myself up, but I did go through this period of like figuring that out. It's like an identity crisis. Yeah. Well, and I think you make a great point and I never really thought about it like that until you just explained it that way. But I talk about this a lot with clients in terms of like people love labels and they love creating guidelines and like rules around what's right and wrong because as a human, like it's easier to wrap your mind around like strict things you can or cannot do. It makes life a lot easier, which is I think what I work on with a lot of clients is, you know, people's goals are like to find more balance and to, you know, feel better and less restrictive or whatever it is. And, you know, it's easy to be like, I don't eat X, Y, Z. You know, I don't eat gluten or dairy or this or whatever. And obviously some people need that for health reasons. That's a whole nother conversation. But, you know, I think people have an easier time aligning with a label. And now that you even mentioned it that way, I almost feel like now being sober curious or whatever you want to call it, it's almost like the vegan trend of like yeah. 2011 kind yeah. of thing. You know, it's like everyone's vegan and everyone's like, won't shut up about how they're vegan. And now, you know, it's because people like having some sort of label, they identify as that. And not that that's totally wrong, but I think personally, I've struggled with having a restrictive perspective in like my college days towards everything, you know, towards food and alcohol. You know, it's, it becomes this thing that when you really, I like label alcohol as bad, just like you'd label any sort of food as bad. One, it gives it so much more power than it really deserves. And it really just sort of feeds into this kind of all or nothing, very black or white mindset that doesn't, it's the antithesis of balance to a certain extent. Like in college, I feel like I went through this stage, especially like my senior year where I really didn't drink much at all because I felt like that was going to be, you know, like hold me back from being thin. And it was a bad food. And I was super focused on like ingredients and things like that. And, but then, you know, you'd go out and you'd have way too much to drink the next weekend kind of thing. It was such like a pendulum swing of not drinking at all or way overdoing it. And like I think you realized to your point too, like you can have a go out and have a cocktail or two or whatever with your friends or your spouse or whatever it is. And that doesn't have to be like a negative experience completely. Like I think we all understand that alcohol is not great for our physical health, but it can feed into your emotional health and your spiritual health and all these other, you know, your relationships and creating experiences and now I think my perspective towards alcohol is very much like I see it as a celebratory experience. Like if I'm on a trip with my husband or we're out celebrating something with friends or whatever, like that's the time where I really enjoy it. On the flip side of that, I, you know, if it's a Wednesday and I'm at a family dinner, like I, to me, like it's not that that's not fun and celebratory, but that's another day. You can't like have that big celebration every day of the yeah. week. So it's it's picking and choosing what aligns with how you're feeling that day what areas of your health are needing a little bit more attention and nourishing. I don't know. And alcohol can certainly play into that in a 
mindful way. Yeah. I I, and I really like where you're going with that because I think a lot of people have made alcohol out to be the bad guy yeah. recently. And I, for one, am someone who is trying to promote a lifestyle that doesn't revolve around alcohol. Right. But that being said, I don't have these restrictions on myself. I just choose yeah. to not have it as much because of how it makes me feel. Right. But I also think it can be really important to lean into it if you're feeling like you want it. Yeah. To celebrate something, to enjoy that time with that friend, right. to create like, an experience. To create an experience yeah. because not doing that can create a negative internal experience right. in a certain way. So I think it's really interesting, like your point of view yeah. on that. And so one thing that I've gotten some pushback or feedback on recently is that this term mindful drinking that I mm. talk about, about being a mindful drinker. And, and what that looks like in my mind is that you think about how many drinks you're having in a night. Right. You don't just order a alcoholic drink at dinner because you're at dinner. Yeah. You, what you were just saying, like you choose and think about when it's going to be worth it for you and, right. and when it might not be. Um, and maybe you have a beer and then an athletic brewing and then another beer. And like, yeah. you there's just no rules. There's no rules. You just are yeah. more thoughtful around alcohol yes. consumption. And some people have said, why does this have to be a term? Why is this a label? Why are people even saying that they're a mindful drinker? This is just normal. This is just how people should be around alcohol. And so would That's be curious to to hear your view yeah. because I, I think we both have a lot of friends who, and I used to be this way. Like I used to be a big drinker and not in the sense that I partied until yeah. 3 a.m. and went clubbing, but like had multiple drinks every weekend, yeah. got a drink with dinner. Usually my parents are are big hosters and drinkers. Yeah. And so what are your views on that? It's interesting because I feel like, you know, you're so tuned in obviously to like the mindful drinking space. And I'm sure you hear a lot of feedback from that. And I feel like, I mean, to a certain extent, I I see that too. But now what I'm seeing so much on like social media and things like that is obviously the term of like intuitive eating has become very mm-hmm. trendy and popular for mm-hmm. good reason in a lot of ways. But, you know, now I see like so many people sharing, you know, like intuitive eating is just eating normally, yeah. which is kind of funny. And I'm like, oh, I never thought about it that way. But it's true, I guess, to a certain extent. But there's a lot to unpack there. So I'm not going to pretend oh my God, I'm like yeah. an intuitive eating like, you know, professional. But to your point, I think it is it is kind of funny. Like in a perfect world, we all would be mindful drinkers and mindful eaters, right. but we're not. Right. We live in a society that's the opposite of that, that promotes things like Overindulgence around the holidays, and then super restrictive January. Oh, you yeah. know, so I'm like, we live for in a world alcohol that's, and eating. Right. I'm and like, this diet. is not intuitive yeah. or mindful at all. So we're having to like take baby steps to try to get people to be normal, quote unquote, again. So you know, I think it's not fair to say that you know that shouldn't be a term. Like, obviously, it's a term for a reason because a lot of people don't feel like they're mindful drinkers. Yeah, and that probably becomes from a lot of pressure from friends and social situations and society and all that kind of stuff. But I think mindful drinking is just like mindful eating, yeah. right? So it's it's so funny. I literally just wrote an email to go out to my list on Wednesday about mindful eating because I get that question a lot of like, I want to be more mindful eater or hear that term. Like, what does that mean? And, you know, to, similar to mindful drinking, but, you know, mindful eating, there's a lot to unpack there. It, it can go from everything from understanding where your food come from and how it was prepared and you know who sourced it to everything to like engaging your senses when you're eating hunger that cues, food you know yeah. tapping into your hunger cues chewing your food slowly there's a lot of factors of mindful eating so there is maybe no 
perfect definition of mindful drinking, similar to how there's not one straightforward definition of mindful eating per se, which is again, people are like, what is this? Because there's not like I I don't understand it because like I said earlier, people prefer black or white, very easy to like cut out XYZ, easy to define things and balance and being mindful are a little bit more loose and esoteric to like wrap your mind around, which is why someone like me, a health coach, has a job because people are struggling to find balance with all of these things. And so, you know, I wish that I had some sort of really explicit game plan or rules to give people of, you know, to be a mindful drinker, you, like you said, it's order one beer and then it's order an athletic brewing and then it's order another. Like there is no right or wrong. There's no definition. People have to kind of figure it out for themselves and what that looks like in their life, which is so hard. It's almost easier to say, I'm going to go sober. Right. Or I'm not, you know, because that's easier to wrap your mind around. It's the like ex- abstractness yes, of it all. Yes, which is hard. Is is very I get it. Like you and I both have to engage in that too. Like it's every day trying to figure out like what would make me feel balanced and grounded and good and fulfilled. And so there's, it takes a lot of introspection and kind of maturity to yeah. approach it from a different perspective. But if it was easier, we wouldn't have to even have this conversation. Right. Right. Yeah. So. No, totally. So I guess on this, you know, we, we both are mindful drinkers. I, I think a lot of people who are interested in all of this, it sounds great, right? Yeah. You are more mindful around your consumption. Mm-hmm. You feel better. You get to experiment with yeah. certain non-alcoholic drinks, but the social aspect for a lot of people, and I want to acknowledge that we yeah. are both in long-term committed relationships, yeah. that we have partners who also support us being mindful drinkers and a lot of our activities don't revolve necessarily around drinking. But how have you dealt with, if at all, because the social, what I'm getting at is the social piece of going out, being with others who are bigger drinkers, getting the quote, you're lame for not drinking, you're you're married and lame, you know, that that sort of thing. Have you dealt with that? And if so, how do you talk about that with others or comment when right. when people make those sort of remarks. I mean, I've definitely been there. I've gotten more your lames than probably like, you know, we all get that. You know, if you choose not to drink and I think But we, why are you lame if you don't drink? Right. That's, well, that's the, the question. Kind of, it's so funny. I feel like I'm sure you've seen this before, but I I feel like I saw someone post something recently. It's like alcohol is the only quote unquote drug that like you get questions on yeah questions about not doing it versus do like it's so true you know people are like oh why aren't you and i think what i've really come to understand over time is it's 100 a reflection of how that person feels about their own choices and so that doesn't mean it doesn't sting or you don't still get people making rude comments or barbs or whatever um i think i've just learned to maybe have a little bit thicker skin and just really stop caring as much because i'm like i don't me waking up tomorrow and feeling better and getting the things done that I need to get done and not feeling ragingly hungover is more important than me placating your need to feel better about your own drinking yeah. choices. Like that's your now too, because we're more of in our like late 20s. I'm like, we're all adults here. Like, if you care Literally that much adults. about me drinking, grow up. Like, that's not my problem. That's your problem. And I think now in like family settings, especially, or with people that know me the best close friends, whatever, they know that, you know, now it's just, it's, I'm like the wellness girl, like in the family, people like, they just know that I'm not going to drink that much and I'll let them have their like 
notions of whatever that means. I don't even know. And so now people aren't necessarily surprised. Like if we go to a family dinner and I choose not to drink, like I don't get as many comments or remarks or whatever. And for the most part, you know, the people that are really supportive support that. Yeah. They think it's great. And I think there also can be really positive outcomes from that. You know, like, okay, you know, George has inspired us or Tori's inspired us. Like we're going to not drink on weeknights. So we're going to like, it's actually, I think it's opened up a lot of really good conversation with other friends and family members and things like that. With like my immediate family, like drinking was never a huge part of our lives. Like drink socially and things like that. Like my parents didn't drink during the week. Like my dad is a doctor and he has a million patients the next day. It's like, they just didn't drink during the week. Cause he's like, I can't, I got a huge day tomorrow. So it sort of set the precedent of it's okay to not always do that. Yeah. Not that there's any right or wrong. That was just what I was exposed to, I guess. But like with my husband specifically, like he's been so supportive of it from day one. Like even prior to like doing what I do for work and like in college and things like that, like he knew that alcohol gave me anxiety and didn't make my, make me feel my best. And he, even to this day, he's like, why don't you just go sober? Like what, if you don't want to do it that much, like who cares? But going back to our original point, I'm always like, I don't want to create this label for myself. Cause yeah. if I do want to go out and have a drink, does that ruin my sobriety? Like, am I a failure? Right. I don't ever want to set myself up for this like emotional angst around it. So no, I'm not sober, but do I drink that much? No. Do I drink when I want to? Sure. Yeah. So has it, has your relationship with alcohol changed the way that you and Sam, your husband do, or like the activities that you do? Because Cam and I used to be, used to go to Napa all of the time. Uh, We were at, we belong. You're in California. So I used to live in California and San Francisco. We belong to two wine wineries and we got engaged at like one of our favorite wineries. And I said this on my my first intro podcast, I think, but going up to Napa and going to the two wineries yeah. and tasting and getting lunch, that used to be a really fun activity for yeah. us. And even getting the shipment and tasting the wine. And that's just not something we really do anymore, yeah. which makes me a little emotional to think yeah. of a really fun activity that we just don't do as much. But right. now we've changed it to other things in Austin. Yeah. Like you know, there's water activities in the summer or going for walks and hikes and going to cool restaurants. Yeah. And, yeah. Continuing on the restaurant thing. Yeah. So would be interested if like, has that changed at all? Or have you eyes always done a bunch of different things that yeah. didn't ever revolve around alcohol? Like the two of us together are, I think our fun activities never really revolved that much around alcohol. Probably because I, even like as a college kid, I just wasn't like, I would go out and do all the things and had, trust me, plenty of time to experience more alcohol than I ever wish I did. But it was just, I was never driven socially like a lot of people, yeah. you know what yeah. I mean? And I think I've always been more into like, like I'd rather go to a yoga class than go like to a bar. You know what I mean? Like that's always kind of been how I Core am. Core power at 7 p.m. on a Friday. Like here we go, you know? And like, <laughs> oh, that doesn't, and that makes me sound so. Like, no, no, I so love it. Bring back to the point, but I love it. You know, but Sam is definitely much more social than I am. And he would still go out with friends and things like that, especially when we first moved to, to, college when we first moved to Austin and you're still kind of in that like post-college stage like that was the stage of like we all lived in an apartment building with like a ton of young people and like right on rainy street we're out all the time and so we did a lot more of that but even then like I still didn't drink as much as probably the yeah. people around me yeah. but I've never wanted that to like hold Sam back like if he wants to go out with his friends and have a big day go for it like you do you we do a lot of things together but I feel like we've always had a very 
like independent relationship yeah. to a certain extent of like I have the things that I really enjoy. He has things he like he can go out and play golf and he and Cam can go play golf. Yeah. We can go to lunch. Like we can go to lunch. <laughs> and so it doesn't really I don't feel like it's ever really held us back. If anything, he's always been super supportive of like drink or don't drink. It doesn't have to hold you back from also going out. Right. You could still go do things, but going to bars and stuff is a little harder because that's like, kind of what there, I am. literally what there is to do. But I don't miss that. Like yeah. I'm good. I don't sit around and like pine for the days of staying out till 3 a.m. at bars. Like yeah. I had my fill of that like as a younger person, younger 20s, whatever. And I'm like, I'm set on that for now. But I know what you mean. I think it can impact your social life to a certain extent. But I also think if it changed anything, it changed anything for the better. Like yeah. it's brought us closer to people that are more like-minded and have more similar goals and things like that. And especially, I feel like a lot of this too is kind of as we've just evolved in our relationship and now we, we've been married for a year now. And, you know, even Sam was like, I would rather go play golf with friends than I would go out to bars. Like that's my preferred social right. activity with my friends. And so we both are kind of on that train, but there are still so many times that we'll go out to dinner and if he wants to have a glass of wine, go for it. Like, I'm not going to hold you just because yeah, I'm right. choosing not to. And he would be the first one to say, like, I'm going to get a glass of red. You can do whatever you want. I'm like, great. Like, there's no judgment. It's not a conversation. It's not like even. Oh, he doesn't care. Yeah. yeah. And that's great. Like, there's no judgment there. And, you know, honestly, Sam has always been an extremely mindful drinker to a certain extent in his own way. Because I feel like he he is very content, like, going out to dinner and, like, having a cocktail, having a glass of wine. And, like, that satisfies the need to, like have a cocktail and that's it, you know? Where again, like the all or nothing, I feel like some people are like, well, if I'm drinking tonight, I'm drinking tonight. Right. I'm going to have not six dr- cocktails yeah. And, and yeah, like feel terrible. It doesn't right. have to be this like, yeah, you either aren't drinking or you're going buck wild. Like he's I think, a great example for me too of like balance and having some, but not having to having all, you right. know, like you can, I don't know. Yeah. No, that's great. Love that. Love that. Okay, let's do some rapid fire to end. Yay. So if someone had to describe your hosting style in one word, what would it be? I love that question. Remember when I broke your glass? Literally your glass that you got from your wedding registry? (laughs) I kind of forgot that that happened. Obviously it didn't. Trust me. We have so much stuff. (laughs) And like, or thank God we're moving into a bigger place because we have honestly it probably helps me close the cabinet. We have so much crap. <laughs> I felt um, so bad. Hosting style in one word. I feel like having a mom that is from Texas and is very Texas, which in like a wonderful way. I think her, if she's rubbed off on me at anything, it's very it's being very courteous. Like it's mm. always bringing a gift and thinking about the other person, and I like you that. know thinking about you know having other people's favorite things around and things like that. So I, maybe that's super conceited to be like courteous is no, the word. No. But I feel like that's when I think of her hosting style, it's always very others first, you know, thinking about how other people would feel and so and being very thoughtful. And so I think that that's how I hope my I mean when hosting style I came over be. to your when we went over to your house, you had Gia. And right. every time you come over, you bring a little gift. It's always but I love so that. Nice. No, like, I love that too. You know, and everyone has their own like fun little hosting things. But I think her and that's just a very like Southern hospitality sort of like Texas yeah. way to be, which I love that about her and how she's taught us just to be very like thoughtful of like how yeah. other people what what would make someone else happy kind of thing. So yeah, no, that's that, how I that, hope that feels style that feels super evolves. super on brand. What's your favorite drink, alcoholic or non alcoholic, or both? Like, what are your favorites on both sides? I would say my favorite. This is so basic. I skinny spicy margarita. A skinny spicy margarita. <laughs> if I'm gonna have a drink, a skinny spicy margarita just hits the spot. I just like tequila. Like if yeah, I'm gonna have too. a liquor, 
that would be the liquor of choice. Unless it's Christmas Eve or around the holidays, our family like tradition around Christmas Eve, because it's my grandfather's favorite, is to have a Manhattan. Okay. And there's something about that that is very like Christmas Yeah. I don't know. So we no, always like that. we always have Manhattans on Christmas Eve. Like it's their tradition. So I maybe I just love that because I love like what comes with that. But day to day, if I'm gonna order a drink, it's gonna be like a skinny, spicy margarita yep. of some sort. Non-alcoholic, like I love me, I love sparkling water. When people say, like, you know, now that's now there's something bad about sparkling water for your health. Oh like, don't God. even say that because, like, let me have my joy. What kind of sparkling water? Let's get granular. <sighs> Tobichiko is the, yes. it's the superior sparkling sparkling yes. water. Second to that is Lacroix. I would pro- that's what I buy the most. I guess. You have I say. gotten you on the train of getting Lacroix from Costco? Yes, yes. The limoncello Lacroix is also so good. Have you ever had that? Yeah, flavor? we have it. Oh, it's so we have that, the key lime. It tastes delicious. Those so are the good. best. And then if I'm going to like, I love matcha too. Like that's a cozy drink. Yeah. But that's probably what I drink the most. Okay. What is your favorite type of get together? I would say either going to someone's house or apartment in like a nice, intimate, smaller group. Like yeah. if there's something, I think COVID actually really spurred that because we did that's like when we really that's all we did with friends i feel yeah. like for literally it was like a, a bubble year, yeah is we hung out with like the same smaller group of people like they would come over to our house or vice versa whatever and there's something about that that's actually it's fun because like, it made you realize you don't have to always go out to like have a good time and it actually forced you to like talk to people and get to know them and yeah. so i love like a small intimate get together at someone's house whether that's just for like appetizers and cocktails or like dinner or whatever. And then obviously I do like going out to dinner, but same thing. I think I'd like it to be like a smaller, more intimate group where you can actually talk to each other at a table. Yeah. You know, do you prefer to host or be hosted? Oh, that's such a great question. I know. I kind of go back and forth. It sort of depends. Yeah. Cause like the cleanup on hosting, depending on what you are doing. (sighs) I mean, yeah. I made Cam do it, but well, he's just a really great cleanupper. But but that's why you guys make a great like duo. <laughs> I feel like. I mean, it sort of depends. I think I really now that we are like old enough, I guess. Like now I have a house, and even though it's tiny, it's it's been more fun to host. But that being said, we don't have the best hosting setup because we yeah. literally don't have a kitchen table. Yeah, it's so small. So, but you're outdoor. So we have a more outdoor setting. So I think once I'm in a space where I have just more house like that will make me want to host more often but i mean it's kind of nice to be hosted sometimes too totally you know yeah especially for holidays i think i like being hosted oh yeah 100 things like that like it's nice i don't know there's i guess there's pros and cons but i i really like to host if i feel like i have a good space well that's that's the thing here like we have my old apartment new york yeah there's no way new york i had like literally just a couch sf we had a decent setup, but the kitchen and the the like living room didn't connect, so oh. it was a little bit disjointed. It was a little disjointed, yeah. and now we actually have a space that I feel like I can you really can host. host. You have a beautiful big kitchen, so and, yeah. So yeah. I just like want to lean into that, but yeah. I think it totally depends on your space. One hundred percent. Like I went right from a literal five hundred square foot studio, which obviously I didn't host in because, yeah. again, didn't have a kitchen table, and then into a house that has a nice big backyard big outdoor entertaining area but inside is also really small like there's yeah it's a very cozy little house which is great but it's not really amenable for hosting so i feel like i haven't really been in a space that's been like a great experience to host in so 
Once maybe maybe the next place will be. All right, so tell so tell us what's next for goodness with G and where we can find you. What's next for goodness with G? Well, I obviously you know this, but we're moving to Florida for ooh, ooh. Um, so for sad. my husband's job. So yeah, we have I mean yet to see the house that we are living in, but looks very cute. Has more hosting space, so that'll be fun. I'm excited for like a new adventure and kind of I mean my day to day job doesn't really change because I work for myself anyway but it'll be a fun it'll be fun to like explore a new city and yeah hopefully be back in texas long term but i'm excited like i'm excited for you taking the dog to the beach is really what's getting me through yeah but, i mean not that i'm i'm super excited but that's like one of those things i'm super pumped sasco about. on the beach it's gonna be a vibe i'm super pumped where can people yeah. find you you can find me instagram is goodness with g websites goodness with g.com like i guess all social 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 media what about the talk TikTok's also goodness with G. TikTok is so funny. I don't know. But yes, you can find me there too. Awesome. So yay. Yay. So glad we did this. Thank Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. As you know, I am not a specialist and I'm not trained to give advice whatsoever. These are just my own personal thoughts and conversations. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate and review the show if you can. It helps so, so much. And feel free to find me on social channels, Post by Tori. See ya.